Welcome back to Unboss. I'm Ravana filling in once again for Senator Anita Turner while she takes some much deserved rest and relaxation time. Um, we've got a really great show for you today. And I, at the top, I just want to remind everybody, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share the stream, send it to your friends, send it to your frenemies. And don't forget to send some love in the comments because I love reading what you all have to say as much as I'm sure you all love hearing what I have to say. So become a part of the show, leave a comment. And we're gonna be joined later today by Mayor Mondale Robinson, but it's just me for this first couple of stories. And we've got some, some really good stories today. We're gonna to talk about Meta's alternative for Twitter. We're gonna give you the latest updates on the Trump indictment saga. We're gonna talk about some actually good news coming out of Wisconsin, some Democrats who actually know how to legislate. Um, so with that, let's jump right into this first story. It's time to move over Twitter because there's a new place for everyone to doom scroll. Yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, better known to everybody as Facebook, launched Threads. Now, the launch of this app gathered tens of millions of signups within the first few hours, according to Mark Zuckerberg, that is, and CBS News, who said more than 30 million people have signed up to Threads, Twitter's Meta's rival to Twitter within the first few hours of its launch. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said late Thursday morning. And Mark Zuckerberg himself put out this thread, which sounds a lot better. I just want to take a second. It sounds a lot better than whatever the blue sky term is for, for posting or um, every other app. I think thread makes sense. It sounds natural. They've at least got that going for them. It sounds a lot better than truth on Trump's truth social. But he threaded this, <laughs> he wrote, Wow, 30 million signups as of this morning feels like the beginning of something special. But we've got a lot of work ahead to build out the app. Now, of course, and we're taking his word for it. Did 30 million people really sign up? 30 million organizations, brands, people, alt accounts, finstas really sign up for threads? I don't know, but that's what he's claiming. And he's a billionaire, so take what he's saying with a grain of salt. Now. The app was supposed to launch today, but it dropped early because honestly, Meta just wanted to dunk and flex on Elon Musk. And threads will probably continue to see growth. Because according to CBS News, the number is likely to grow quickly as more Instagram users and social media fans open accounts on threads. The app is the biggest challenger yet to Elon Musk owned Twitter, which has seen a series of potential competitors emerge but not yet replaced one of social media's most iconic companies, despite its epic struggles. And its struggles are particularly epic. We saw over the weekend, Twitter struggled just to allow people to view tweets. They had to impose temporary, he claims, rate limits. So users were only allowed to see up to 600 tweets. And what even counts as seeing a tweet? Just scrolling by it, scrolling by a comment. So people were sort of closed out of the app for a long period of time, which is something I'm sure the advertisers loved, is limiting the amount of tweets that people are seeing, thus limiting the amount of advertisements that they're seeing. Things are going swimmingly over at Twitter right now. But when it comes to threads, what's really unclear now is if the app will actually accomplish its goal in being a true competitor to Twitter and eventually take it down. Which has seen again numerous issues since Elon Musk's takeover. And one of those issues, not just like the rate limits I was mentioning, but is a massive increase in hate speech on the app. Check out this CBS News headline Twitter saw an immediate, visible, and measurable spike in hate speech after Elon Musk's takeover. Researchers find, and I'm sure that those of us who are parts of marginalized communities who use Twitter, have noticed that increase in hate speech. I mean, the names of the accounts that are harassing me on that site have become drastically and increasingly more hateful, bigoted. I mean, just accounts with the names of just a slur. It's just a slur, and then that's fine. <laughs> and I've reported people for calling me slurs and have been told by Twitter, it's fine, they can say it, they can call you that. We actually think that you are one. So <laughs> that's what's going on on Twitter. And this chart from 2022 shows just how bad things were. Literally seconds, seconds after Elon Musk took over, not minutes, not hours, 
seconds. Here's Yoel Roth who tweets out, our primary success measure for content moderation is impressions. How many times harmful content is seen by our users? The changes we've made have almost entirely eliminated impressions on the on this content in search and elsewhere across Twitter. You might remember Yoel Roth as someone who was the recipient of a lot of harassment after Elon Musk attacked him and after he was gone after in the Twitter files by Matt Taibbi and the other sycophantic goons that Elon Musk brought in to praise him and slam old Twitter as they were referring to it. I mean, they were calling this man who happens to be a gay man, a pedophile, all sorts of nasty slurs, only further proving the point that he was exactly making. Now, CBS News also reported that under Elon Musk, Twitter has seen content moderation reduced to a minimum with glitches and rash decisions scaring away celebrities and major advertisers. The Tesla tycoon said last week that he was limiting access to Twitter to ward off AI companies from scraping the site to train their technology. Now, I mean, the we all have seen this Elon Musk takeover become a massive, massive failure. And honestly, it is only a matter of time before he either has to sell the company or it goes under because he is mismanaging it like he has mismanaged all of his other projects. And this is nothing but a vanity project for Elon Musk. He was sick and tired of being insulted on Twitter and decided to buy it to tell people that you can no longer insult Elon Musk on Twitter. Um, when it comes to threads though, this is a, just another billionaire owning another massive media platform, bringing it all under the, the meta umbrella, which is really, as we all know, the Facebook umbrella. And of course that should be concerning to everybody. Our only choices for social media are billionaires owned uh, crypto fascist social media platform or other billionaire crypto fascist social media owned platform. And Facebook particularly has a horrible track record when it comes to selling user data and mismanaging user data. And of course, in hand in hand with that is Instagram and now hand in hand with that is threads. And as we've seen time and time again, the platform that spreads the most misinformation, the platform where people receive the most hate is Facebook. So is threads really gonna be that different? I don't think so. But for me, it's really just another platform where people with anonymous profiles can call me a bitch. So of course, I'm jumping to sign up. <laughs> so I'll see you all over there on threads. So that's some bad news, some neutral news, but let's get into some actually really good news for a change. Because it feels good to do that once in a while. And believe it or not, not all Democrats are hopeless politicians. Just check out what's happening up in Wisconsin. Here we go. We know that we will still have a lot of work to do and ensure that state investments can keep up with inflation. So I have also used my broad veto authority to provide school districts with predictable long-term increases for the foreseeable future. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Wisconsin politics, that is Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers signing a very important education bill yesterday. Now let's get into the details of why this bill is just so important for the state and also for the country. Common Dreams reported that among the dozens of Democratic Wisconsin governors, Tony Evers line item vetoes for state Republicans two year budget on Wednesday was a move to boost funding for public education for the next four centuries. That's not a typo, that was not a misprint. Yes, 400 years, the next four centuries and they continue on. The budget approved by Wisconsin lawmakers hiked the revenue limit for school districts or how much they can raise from state aid and local property taxes by $325 per student for the 2023 to 2024 school year and the 2024 to 2025 school year. Evers, a former public school teacher and administrator turned that into for 2023 to 24, 25. Now, this is particularly critical 
I'm from Illinois. If anyone knows the history of the Wisconsin politics, it has not been this bright and optimistic for the future, particularly under the previous governor. But why this is so critical in the state of Wisconsin particularly is because education in the state was hit really hard by the effects of COVID and by their previous horrific and current Republican legislators. The Cap Times reported that it comes amid high inflation and after two years of frozen per pupil revenue limits in the previous state budget, Republicans justified those limits by pointing to the significant amounts of federal COVID-19 relief funding districts received. But districts suggested that put them in a challenging position as they relied on one-time funds for ongoing costs. Now, just to put this in perspective, think of this like after we received stimulus and politicians kept saying, they're good, they got that one-time stimmy check. But we all know rent keeps coming, I've gotta pay it every month, that one-time stimulus check hasn't actually helped me that much in my life. That is what they were trying to do with education in Wisconsin. And the cap times continued and they wrote that in many cases, districts now face fiscal cliffs for the 2024 to 2025 budget after the federal money has expired. The Madison Metropolitan School District, for example, provided the maximum base wage increase for staff this year of 8% combined with other costs faces a cliff of more than 20 million before it has even started working on that budget. The change by the time it expired in 2425 would add $130,650 per pupil to a district's revenue limit. The revenue limit for MMSD in 2022 to 2023 was 14,254 per student. In total, it would add tens of billions of dollars to school districts around the state would be allowed to spend in that final school year if the enrollment in public school remained relatively consistent. Constant, excuse me, for the next four centuries. And our very own Senator Nina Turner applauded this legislation and Governor Everest tactics on Twitter. She tweeted out, this is how you're supposed to legislate and she could not be more right. It would be great if all states prioritized education the way Governor Evers is doing in this case. Of course, we aren't seeing that, we're seeing a lot of Feckless Democratic lawmakers not really willing to fight these types of fights and to take you know these sort of extreme measures to ensure that our essential programs in this country are funded. And Tony Evers was willing to do that. And it's a state that's not particularly progressive. This has been a swing state. This is a state that had a long, hard fought battle to ensure that a quite literal fascist wasn't sitting on their state Supreme Court and instead got a progressive Supreme Court justice seated in their on their state Supreme Court. But we're not seeing this type of action on the federal level. This is what we're seeing on the federal level. The United States spent $877 billion on military in 2022, a new report says. More than 10 times the federal education spending. And I know that you just got here, <laughs> Mayor Mondale, but I do, I, I, I wanna ask you, you know, as someone who, who does kind of work in, in this area or as a mayor, um, how important is education and how important is, is what Wisconsin is doing here? Listen, I think what's what's it's sad that a state has to do this, and also every state is not doing this. And you made some some extremely important points. The I the fact that Wisconsin is not this super progressive space, but we saw a super conservative justice overreach, and we saw him get replaced by a progressive, shows how much politicians are missing the mark on what they can and can't do, as it pertains to where there's where their citizens, where their residents are. People are way more progressive than the elected officials and. Wisconsin is a great example of how we know that. I'll tell you another sad part about all of this. What we're not talking about is what it costs this country to undereducate people. The mm -hmm. fact that we continue to spend so much on military, 10, 12 times our next, the next closest country, and we're losing in the education battle. We are, out of all the developed nations, probably at the bottom of everything that matters South, South science, math, and also history. And it does not look like this is the way forward if America is gonna continue to have a democracy that's functioning at a high level where we are, you know, saving lives and extending people's lives, especially, especially when we take a look at the fact that half or not half, a large portion of this country believe the S that Donald Trump is saying. <laughs> 
Right, I mean, if that's not an indictment of our education system, I don't know what is. And I think you make an excellent point about how you know they love to brag, our country loves to brag about being the number one superpower in the world. And sure, if we wanted to, if we decided to crush every other country, maybe we could do that. But we're not crushing them <laughs> in math. We're not crushing them in science. Our education standards are abysmal. We're not crushing them in healthcare. I think we're we're like you know comparable to Slovenia on the rankings of healthcare, which is a country I think that most you know uh, red-blooded Americans would feel maybe a little embarrassed to be sitting next to on that kind of chart. So this is a huge, huge thing that's going on in Wisconsin. Massive shout out to Governor Tony Evers for willing to do for being willing to do what's hard and not falling back like we see so many Democrats do on, oh, we're not there yet. Oh, we can't fight this fight and you know, just actually doing what matters. Okay, we have to go to our first break, but stick around because we'll be right back and we'll be reading some of your comments on the other side. Welcome back to Unbossed. First, I want to say thank you to all of the mods for keeping the chat clean, safe, and fun. Um, Brooke, Octosquiddies, Mary Animal, the ones I remember off the top of my head. I think Vite and Gail is a mod over on YouTube. So let me give some love to them specifically. Um, and how about you give some love to us in the form of a membership? Because every membership makes a monumental impact and helps us deliver bold, progressive live commentary. Join as an annual member and that's a great way to sign up because you can save money in the long run. An annual membership starts at $49.99 a year. Together we can amplify the issues that matter. Of course, Medicare for all, criminal justice reform, racial justice, climate change, just to name a few. So you can go over to tyt.com slash join, support our work. Also to remind all of you, if you ever miss an episode of Unbossed, you can always watch the YouTube videos on demand on our YouTube channel. Find full clips by scanning the QR code there. Or if you can't do that, you can just go to youtube.com slash unbossed. How easy is that? And another another thing, if you ever miss a live show, you don't have to worry. You can also check it out as a podcast. Listen to it while you're on your way to work. Listen to it at the gym. That's what I do. So <laughs> check it out as a podcast on Apple Podcasts. And as long as you're there, you might as well give us five stars because you know we deserve it. And let us know what you like about the show. And speaking of what you like about the show, let's read your comments. From Twitch, first, Re, hi, Re, says, hey, hey, Ray. Well, hello to you, too. Corporations ate my baby, says, isn't Ray just a boss? Aw, thank you, unbossed today. <laughs> Christina Alyssa Brown says, Ray, with a bunch of heart emojis, thank you. Oh, there's so much love for me today. Aw. Thank you guys, this is the best part of my day. Power on Reset says yet another advertising platform, the corporations will need to compensate by increasing wages to purchase advertised products. So well, yeah, I mean, that's what my thing about threads is. Um, I don't need it again, I don't need another platform for someone to call me a bitch on. All right, I'm, I'm set with the ones that I'm obligated to be on. I mean, if it takes off, it takes off, and I guess I'll have to join it. But God, I hate to support Mark Zuckerberg any more than I already am. But because I live in Illinois, we have some pretty strict, you know, rules about selling facial recognition data and fingerprint data. Something Meta and Facebook has a tendency to do. So every couple months, I get an email that's like, "Yeah, four hundred dollars coming to you because Twitter or because Facebook did something bad with your data." So maybe I will sign up just to increase my chances of getting one of those checks. <laughs> Um, and then Melanie D44 says, in my humble opinion, I don't think we will ever have a leftist administration before human-based climate change overtakes us or nuclear war hits us. But we shall uh, we shall wait to see. Too many either want to keep their hands buried in the sand or won't do what's necessary to do. It's so frustrating. I think that maybe we won't see that administration, but I think as times become increasingly more desperate, more and more people are going to be mobilized and willing to hit the streets and you know eventually do what's necessary to save our lives because Diane Feinstein's not going to do it. <laughs> Joe Biden's not going to do it. Apparently, Tony Everts is willing to do something. So that's a good example for some other. I live in Illinois. We've got a pretty progressive governor. Really willing to stand up for the teachers union, stood up to, for activists, passed really progressive bail reform here. So, you know, there's people doing it, but it's not all of them. And Power on Reset, thank you for gifting a sub to Orpheus. 
And over on YouTube, Soul Life says, I so want to see Musk windmilling his arms into Zuckerberg as <laughs> Zuck is trying to wrestle him to the ground. I hope that fight happens. I heard that Elon Musk's mom put the guy on it, but I hope it happens. Apparently she said she doesn't want her son to get the crap beat out of him. But I think he deserves it, <laughs> Miss Musk. So it's it's what we need, okay? I wanna see two billionaires beat each other up real bad. <laughs> Archie says about the new threads, choose your sociopathic billionaire, right? It's so, you know, you get to choose which horrible platform you can use. So Sue Life also says free lunches should be included. Hungry kids have trouble learning, could not agree more. No child should be in debt because they wanted lunch at school or breakfast, free breakfast as well. Some states have already taken the initiative to do that. Over on the members section, Cyber Dragon Lord says it's Ray Ray, OMG, oh, thank you. Savitas says, I think sanity should be the alternative for Twitter. I think that's a really good suggestion. And then they also said a ray of sunlight for a dark and dreary world. Oh, thank you. Okay. Uh, let me get this back. Speaking of a dark and dreary world. <laughs> If you haven't heard of Moms for Liberty yet, be prepared for some wild stuff. Know the story, and they know the playbook that they always have. Lie, deride, besmirch, make innuendos, tell flat out untruths. Because you quoted Hitler, you support Hitler. I guess every history book in America supports Hitler now. They all quote him. Whether you're talking about Adolf Hitler, whether you're talking about Chairman Mao, whether you're talking about Stalin, whether you're talking about Pol Pot, whether you're talking about uh, uh, Castro in Cuba, or whether you're talking about a dozen other despots all around the globe, it is time for us to get back and start reading some of those quotes. It's time for us to start teaching our children some of those quotes. It's time for us to start teaching our children about the dirty, despicable, awful things that those communist and socialist despots did in our history. Uh, <laughs> I've never, okay, just quickly context. Moms for Liberty favorably quoted Hitler. And it wasn't like, oh, we found this quote we like, we don't know who said it. No, it said, dash. Adolf Hitler at the bottom. It was, they were favorably quoting Adolf Hitler, which is vastly different than when I was in college and I was studying history and we learned about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I mean, I've got so much more, but Mayor, we've got to bring you in first because what the hell? <laughs> well, first of all, I'll tell you the first what the hell. That is Mark Robinson, elected official in North Carolina, not Mundell Robinson, elected <laughs> official in North Carolina. Please don't at me for this retard. Excuse my language. That is horrible, but this guy is absolutely disgusting. This and the sad part about it is this is not the worst thing he's done. He is on record of supporting so much more. Moms of Liberty have their space, but this guy as a black Republican is going down in the history books. I, I, I live in a state where he's running for governor and it's scary as hell what he's willing to do and what he's willing to sell out and who he's willing to sell out. The fact that he, the fact that he is the face of the Republican Party running for the top of the ticket speaks volumes to how Fox is in Congress from North Carolina. And so much other horribleness is happening on his behalf, or I should say on his watch. Right, and I mean, he's standing there, you know, sort of embracing the horrible thing that this organization did, all of the horrible things that this organization has done. And he's doing it maybe particularly because he's speaking at their conference on Friday. This was in Philadelphia. And what he was essentially saying is that Democrats or Democratic Socialists are somehow comparable to Hitler <laughs> among other dictators. And quite literally a week before he said that, as we mentioned, we have this headline from Associated Press. Moms for Liberty chapter apologizes for quoting Hitler in its newsletter. But like, I wanna be clear and we're gonna get into this. Their apology was not, we're sorry that we quoted Hitler. It's we're sorry we quoted Hitler and then didn't also say Hitler was a bad guy. They still wanted to quote Hitler. 
But anyway, Associated Press reported that an Indiana chapter of Moms for Liberty, a nonprofit that advocates for parental rights and education, and was recently labeled as extremist by an anti-hate watchdog, is apologizing and condemning Adolf Hitler after using a quote attributed to the Nazi leader in its inaugural newsletter. The first version of the newsletter included the quote, he alone who owns the youth gains the future and cited Hitler. While the origin of the quote is not entirely clear, it's been attributed in numerous historical texts to a 1935 rally speech by the Nazi leader. And we have a screenshot, so as you can see, it says Adolf Hitler on there. They knew who said it, they knew who said it from the jump. They wanted to quote Hitler, they agree, they agree with Adolf Hitler and Associated Press wrapped this up by writing, the quote has frequently been used by conservative Christian groups as a warning of what they experience as liberal or left-wing attempts to indoctrinate children, said Mark Pitkavich, senior research fellow at the Anti-Defamation League Center on extremism. And Mayor, I mean, at some point you gotta, you have to do some introspection and say, we are agreeing with Hitler, maybe we're the bad ones, but I, they enjoy it, they like it. <laughs> It seems that way, but before before I speak to your point, let me just say something. I just participated in spreading hate. I just equated intellectual disability with dumb, and I shouldn't have done that. So I need to apologize to anybody that's suffering from mental disabilities because what I did is not acceptable, and I shouldn't have done it. As it pertains to Mark Robinson, he's just dumb, <laughs> flat out dumb. And moms, moms, moms of this is beyond. This is beyond blowing a dog whistle. Literally, you put Adolf Hitler's name up there, not quote unknown. You actually wanted people to know that you were quoting Hitler because you put his name there. And to say that just because you're quoting someone does not mean you're supporting them. In this manner, you're definitely uplifting Adolf Hitler. As if you couldn't have found another quote about the minds of the youth to use in this spot. You wanted to use Adolf Hitler, you all went searching. So it seems for this very quote, so you can say, Hey, here's something from Hitler that fits when you could have used anything about the youth or could have made up your own quote. I mean, we're talking about the most precious resource we have, the next generation. So this is an absolutely disgusting moment for Mons of Liberty for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just take a minute to <laughs> tell anyone who's unfamiliar what Moms for Liberty is. So it's a hate group, as we've said, but just Give you, to give you an example of what they stand for, another example, here is their co-founder, Tina Diskovich, speaking at that same event. If you are here today and you have stepped up to serve as a chapter chair over a whole county in America, please stand. If you've spoken at a school board meeting in the last three years, stand with them. If you've traveled to your state capital to meet with legislators to advocate for parental rights or better education, please stand with them. If you've had to walk through an angry mob yelling at you, please stand. We're currently following through with what you know God has told you to do, please stand. You are the courage in America right now. You are the Thomas Paines, the Benjamin Franklins, the Margaret Corbins. We are in a fight for liberty. We are in a fight for the future of this country. They might be similar to some of those people in our founding fathers and that I could see these women arguing to bring back slavery and to preserve slavery in this country. But I, it should really concern all of you that how mobilized, you saw how many people were standing when she asked how many of you are in charge of counties? How many of you have gone to school board meetings? These people, it is not a grassroots movement, okay? They are funded, all right, they're getting funding. This is, there's not a groundswell of support for Adolf Hitler in this country, at least I hope not. <laughs> you know, these, these, this is a funded movement and these people are going to your schools and they're making, or they're going to the school boards in your areas where you live and they are arguing for regressive and horrifying policies. And that should mobilize you to go there and fight for good. And just to motivate you a little bit more, let's talk about this right-wing hate group in a little more detail from The Guardian. Group was founded in 2021 during the COVID pandemic and rose to prominence through outspoken opposition to school mask mandates. The group is now spread across the United States. Its membership fueled by the Republican-led moral panic over a woke ideology that is supposedly sweeping public schools and indoctrinating children. At present, the group counts 285 chapters in 45 states. 
As the group has grown, so too has its political ambitions. Moms for Liberty places particular emphasis on capturing local school boards in order to secure greater control over school policy. More broadly, the group endorses legislation that would limit the topics that can be discussed in the classroom. For instance, Florida's don't say gay legislation. And they promote policies that allow parents to target books for removal from school libraries and classrooms. So let's go back to what Mark Robinson was rambling about. It really is Moms for Liberty who are literally following in the footsteps of these dictators that he was attempting to disavow, but also saying that you should study it and listen to their quotes. Now these are literally 21st century book burners along with the right wing governors who are seeking to erase and whitewash the realities and the uncomfortable truths of this country and mayor. It is so concerning to me, I think it should be concerning to everyone to see how many of those people were standing up and saying, we are going to the school board meetings and we are demanding these fascist ideologies be pushed on the children. Yeah, I think a better question is how many of you got kids in these school districts? Right. School boards meetings at. We know that there's an overrepresentation of black and brown kids in public school, but the C this argument and the CRT argument became a number one issue, and and now we're banning books again. The last time we banned books in this manner from schools would have been what we saw from the Daughters of Confederacy, which changed the history and also basically created this lost cause argument that we're still fighting against 50, 60 years later. So I am I am so afraid of what happens to public education because of Moms of Liberty and two or three generations from now. Right, exactly. And speaking of concerning things happening in this country, let's get into an update on all things happening in the Donald Trump cinematic universe. Now, here's the first, let's talk about the latest update in his indictment and as it pertains to the stolen documents, his valet, Walt Nata, pled not guilty to federal charges related to hiding secret documents. NPR reported on this, they wrote that Walt Nata faces along with Donald Trump, five counts of concealing or withholding documents and taking part in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. A charge that carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Federal indictment alleges that Nata moved dozens of boxes containing classified documents at Trump's direction at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's home in Palm Beach, Florida, and then lied to federal investigators about it. That's right, according to the indictment, wasn't, I think a lot of people have sort of been framing this as, you know, cuz he's Trump's bag man, essentially. He follows Trump around and carries his bag for him. Um, People have been framing this sort of like, oh, he maybe didn't really know what he was doing. I mean, first of all, he's working for Donald Trump, so he chose to do that. Second of all, he knowingly lied to federal investigators, not just to protect Donald Trump, but to protect himself. So this guy is not, you know, it wasn't some sort of innocent victim in Trump's, you know, conniving scheme. He was a participant, he was an active participant. Um, but just on that, that he lied to the FBI. The Guardian also reported that Walt Nata allegedly said he was unaware about how boxes of classified documents were taken to Trump's residence before Trump agreed to return 15 boxes to the National Archives in January 2022. Now, when he was asked about the boxes, he falsely stated the following I wish, I wish I could tell you. I don't know. I don't, I honestly. Just don't know, which honestly that just even written out, it sounds like he's lying. So not doing a great job on that front. Um, now the indictment alleged that Nada lied to the FBI because he and another Trump employee at Mar-a-Lago did move the boxes. Now Nada did in fact know that the boxes in Pine Hall had come from the storage room as Nada himself. But the assistance of Trump employee two had moved the boxes from the storage room to Pine Hall and Nada had observed the boxes it had observed the boxes in and moved them to various locations. Now, how did he start working for Donald Trump? He's a Navy veteran who began working in the White House mess and then later as a valet to the then President Trump. After Trump left office, Nada exited the Navy and began working for the former President. Personally, as I said, it's not like this person was hard pressed for options, all right? He could have done any job. He chose to go with Trump to be his personal valet. Now, this is the third time his arraignment has been scheduled after having trouble finding an attorney and then having a flight canceled. But now prosecutors have told US District Judge Eileen Cannon they would like to begin Trump's trial on December 11th. Now, as a reminder, Trump has also pled not guilty, but his was 37. Charges. Now, Mayor, 
I, you know, as we learn more and more, I become a little bit more and more optimistic because at the beginning, the offset of this, I was thinking, I just don't think they're gonna. I don't think that they're gonna find him guilty because I, I've seen what this man has gotten away with. But more and more, it seems like maybe they actually will. Yeah, I mean, Coca-Cola and classified documents is Donald Trump's <laughs> motto right now, right? But I think this is amazing like how the story is being covered. This guy is being called Trump valet as if he was not a Navy veteran, as right. if he didn't make a conscious decision to leave the military for Donald Trump, right? All this patriotism that we're supposed to see on from that side seems like it's all about this personality and not the flag, not the constitution, right? This is, I swear to God by Trump for Trump. And I think what we saw differently was when we saw the Marine Corps veteran kill the black man in New York. Everybody kept that was trying to defend him kept reminding the world that he was a Marine Corps veteran. So right. I think we need to continue to remind folks that this is not some valet in the context of you pulling up to a hotel and them parking your car. This is a man trained to protect this country. Right, military veteran, and chose to leave the military for Donald Trump's service. So I don't, for one minute, buy the idea that he just don't know or he didn't get it. He knew what was going on, and he has a role, and I'm glad he's been charged. Exactly. I'm sure that he's probably got some PR people in the background working to push that narrative that he was just an innocent bystander on all this. But that's why we're here to push back on that that narrative, and. I mentioned at the beginning that there's happenings within the Trump cinematic universe. So I'm gonna remind you of a character that you might have forgotten existed because Jesus Christ, we've got new news coming out about Donald Trump's horrible posse and himself as well every single day. But do you remember Lynn Wood, everybody? He has apparently had to give up his law license. And he was, if as that suggests, Trump's attorney at one point, he filed the legal challenges seeking to overturn his 2020 election loss. And now he is relinquishing his law license. He is choosing, as he puts it, to retire from practicing when in reality he's sort of being forced to do it because he's facing possible disbarment, really staring down the barrel of that right now. So essentially he's saying, I quit as he sees his boss coming down the hallway to fire. So AP reported on this, let's get into the details. On Tuesday, Lynn Wood asked officials in his home state of Georgia to retire his law license in light of disciplinary proceedings pending against me. And the request made in a letter and posted on his Telegram account, of course it's his Telegram account, Wood acknowledges that he is prohibited from practicing law in his state and in any other state or jurisdiction, and that I may not reapply for admission. But this was, of course, a long time coming. Officials in Georgia had been weighing whether to disbar Wood over his efforts, holding a disciplinary trial earlier this year. He's literally insane. I don't know how else to describe him. Lynn Wood is a literally insane person, but don't worry. He still has his favorite grift to fall back on. It's called fight back dot law. So maybe he'll have to change that dot law part now that he's not allowed to practice. Now this is a website dedicated to getting Trump back in power through Prayer and of course donations to probably Linwood himself personally. You can also buy a super cool merch like this shirt. Wackadoodle is <laughs> for Wood 2021. Now, <laughs> Mayor, that's a that's a shirt that I think poses a lot more questions than it answers. <laughs> Wackadoodles. <laughs> for Wood. Okay. For Woods, okay, okay. Listen, this is this is like the Richard Nixon, right, of leaving the White House. Like, I, I'm just gonna resign. No, you have no choice. You have no choice, buddy. You're out of here. I think we 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 continue to see the people around Trump who refuses to tell the truth about Trump lose their livelihood. This is another one of those cases. But what I don't understand is when will we see Trump? Lose his livelihood for things he's doing. How has he been Teflon Don for so long? I am, I my hopes is these 37 charges that he's been indicted with from the federal government is the beginning of that or the chink in his armor. I do also think that we may see some charges coming up against Trump from the federal government, you know, real soon. Because wow, because wow. Right, right, and I mean, it is it is exactly like just the Nixon. You can't you can't impeach me. I quit. I mean, and it's so many. We've seen so many Trump 
White House former aides, former staffers, whatever, secretaries to blah and so and so and blah and blah have to leave in disgrace, which it continues to amaze me that anybody, anybody who wants to have a career in politics would associate themselves with this man. But also, it really shocks me the fact that people are still willing to vote for him. And it's not an insignificant minority of people. It is a huge chunk of the population. And I'm gonna move into this next story before I become too engulfed in the horrors of our world. But unfortunately, this next story is also about the horrors of the reality in our world, specifically discrimination in the workplace. As the Supreme Court decided it was acceptable to discriminate against trans people and the queer community as a whole, let us remind you, that this discrimination has been ongoing, especially in the employment sector, in sector, excuse me, and in hiring practices. Now, this report from March speaks to that from CNBC. According to a new report from business.com, a business resource platform, over 80% of non-binary people believe that identifying as non-binary would hurt their job search. Similarly, 51% believe their gender identity has affected their workplace experience very or somewhat negatively. And I've got some more, but I want to pause here and say, you know, I've worked in discrimination law in the past. When it comes to the, the main obstacle it comes to, we have protections in place that should prevent these types of discrimination from happening in our workplace. But a lot of people aren't educated as to their rights. And if they are, a lot of people don't have the resources to fight these battles in court because it's expensive. If you don't have access, if you don't live in a big city and you don't have access to something like you know, a nonprofit that has a legal department that can do these services for free or a law school that has a clinic that will provide these services for free. A lot of people are SOL and they cannot fight this type of lawsuit. So they just end up the victims of discrimination with no legal recourse because it's just not feasible to them. So for anyone who's thinking at least this is illegal, aside from the fact that it might not be in the very imminent future, it's really not possible for a lot of people to fight these types of battles. But CNBC continues and writes that business.com also went a step further by sending two identical phantom resumes to 180 unique job postings that were explicitly open to entry level candidates. In an effort to test whether or not the inclusion of gender neutral pronouns impacts how employers perceive resumes. The phantom resume including pronouns received 8% less interest than the one without and fewer interviews and phone screening invitations. According to the report, over 64% of the companies that received these resumes were equal opportunity employers, something that made the results even more worrisome. Now, the discrimination doesn't stop even if the employment is offered, even if the applicant gets a job and becomes an employee. It continues on as an employee, according to gender GP research published by the Williams Institute UCLA School of Law on the experiences of LGBTQ plus workers in the US highlights the persistent discrimination and harassment that community faces when simply trying to turn up and do their job. Key findings include that near half 45.5% of LGBTQ plus workers reported experiencing discrimination and harassment at work, including being fired due to their gender or sexual identity. Data taken from the 2020 Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System found that 9% more cis adults were in the US workforce compared to trans adults. BRFSS data also reported that 42% more trans people work part time, thus being less likely to accrue the same healthcare benefits as full time workers. Trans and gender diverse people in employment make less money on average than cis people. And Mayor, we have this data. We know that this is a reality that many queer people are living. And instead of taking steps to actively protect, you know, my community, the queer community, and to, you know, remove barriers that are preventing them from having full gainful employment, states are instead and the Supreme Court <laughs> are holding hands and making it harder and putting more barriers in their path and, and making it easier for workplaces to discriminate against them. Because this is America, the greatest country in the world. And you know, you should be American and nothing else. You shouldn't have <laughs> a gender. You shouldn't identify with your gender or gender. I think here's 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 what's truly, truly disgusting. People won't even see the layered effect of discrimination on people in the LGBTQI plus community. Like the idea one that, you know, 80% of people, 80% of people of 
have, have been affected or feel that they've been discriminated against. And that's not even considered, like you said, what happens with the microaggressions when you get the job and what it does, what that does to your career, how it sets you back. Then you hear about the, the number of people that are working part-time versus full-time, knowing that we tie in this very great country, we tie your healthcare and your quality of life to what you make at a job. And that is absolutely disgusting. And we see why people are dying at a younger age or people are are committing suicide at higher rates. When you have this, this is just in the work, not even just trying to live your life to be LGBTQI plus in America is becoming a death sentence almost. And that is tragic on so many levels. Exactly, and I think you know we can compare it to, and I, it's so often that for some reason LGBTQ rights don't get cast in the same light as you know fighting for women's equality in the workplace or fighting to end racial discrimination in the workplace. I think it's because the right wing has very successfully rewritten the narrative that LGBT being gay, being LGBTQ is a choice. And they could simply choose not to and then exist in the workplace and not experience this discrimination, except for, of course, if they're a member of an intersectional identity, in which case then there's more hurdles. And I'm sure that if we broke this data down by, you know, black members of the LGBTQ community, the harassment would be you know even higher. The rates of harassment would be even higher. Or, you know, when we look at women members of the LGBTQ community, and we saw that the number for trans people and non-binary people is particularly high. And it's just so disheartening because we fought these battles. And so Republicans would love to stand there and take credit for the battles that they didn't fight. They pushed back against and say, racism is over. The Civil Rights Act was passed. The Supreme Court decided that you can't discriminate against gay people. So why are they even crying? They have marriage equality. What are they upset about? And Mayor, I really, I think it really is just this, this ability to, to control the narrative and sort of rewrite what's going on in terms more favorable to them that has i think it's really harmed the you know fight for equality for the, for the LGBTQ community i'll let you get the last word in on the story yeah, I think I think this is why it's so important that we understand our history and where we find ourselves. Donald Trump didn't make the Republican Party in this image. He's just a loud uh, a proponent of what it is. But we know this this dates back to 1972 with Richard Nixon and the Southern strategy, and then the continuation with Ronald Reagan, who added in the so-called evangelical, the white evangelical, to this you know racist white Southern base. And I think this is the un you know the unholy union that continues to allow Republicans to win uh, at all costs. And on all stakes across this country. Exactly. And on the other side, we could talk about some victories for actual groups of working people with this next story. So move away from some of the, the victories we're seeing by the far right and show that there can be victories when we come together and fight for our rights, particularly as we're seeing right now for the farm workers in New York who just secured a major victory as 500 farm workers have unionized. Now this is the biggest success in years for the union co-founded by Cesar Chavez. The last few decades, the United Farm Workers have declined in size from 60,000 to 6,000. You heard that right, 60,000 to 6. And of course, we know that union union numbers in this country have drastically fallen over you know the decades as states, as the federal government has made it harder and harder to join a union and more hostile towards union ownership as corporations are pushing their propaganda out to their employees about the dangers of forming a union. But I mean, Jesus, 60,000 to 6,000 should still take you aback, but now, 500 workers have unionized in New York, and it is their biggest organizing success in years. Now, the New York victories will increase the union's membership by a whole 8%, which is massive. And Teresa Romero, who's the president of the United Farm Workers, stated that the victories were made possible by the Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act. Let's pull this headline up, Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act. On July 19th, 2019, former Governor Cuomo signed the Farm Workers Bill, which establishes the Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act to protect farm workers' rights and ensure equitable housing and working conditions. The bill grants farm workers overtime pay, a day of rest each week, disability and paid family leave coverage, and unemployment benefits and other labor protections. Now, so a little bit more about the act here from the New York Department of Labor. 
It, uh, it covers migrant farm worker housing permits, wages, and overtime pay, days of rest, unemployment insurance, workers' compensation, disability insurance, and paid family leave, as well as protecting the very important right to organize. Now, the UFW says it has unionized four apple farms. According to the Guardian, the unionized apple farms are Waffler Farms, Cahoon Farms, Torpiglia, and A&J Kirby and Lynn Et. Now, this has sparked other unionization efforts because we've seen hot labor summer, I think, as Francesca Fiorentini put it yesterday. Um, so it's not the only one, according to the Guardian. Two other unions have been organizing farm workers in New York, the Retail Wholesale and Department Store Union and the United Food and Commercial Workers. They have organized two vineyards, a dairy farm and several other farms, around 125 workers in all. And Mayor, so often in politics and people talk about farmers, they're always talking about giving subsidies to the wealthy owners of these farms. And they're never talking about protecting the you know low wage workers who are actually doing the brunt of the labor on these farms. So it's so nice to be able to cover a story about farmers when we're actually talking about the workers and the workers getting stronger protections. I mean, I think this is, first of all, 8% increase with 500. That is unbelievable. It's also sad on the other side that we went from 60 to 6,000 across this country where farm workers make up so so much of the workforce. I think this is a wonderful victory for people beyond the spirit of Cesar Chavez, people who who realize that we don't eat without farm workers in this country. So I'm super excited about this fact. Here's another thing that we should talk about. People don't understand the benefit of unions, not the old benefits, taking 13 and 14 year olds and eight year olds out of factories. I'm talking about the fact that when you have union workers anywhere, the environment is usually safer safer for the workers and also for the company, right? There are less OSHA violation when they're union workers. So I'm super excited about farm workers getting these protections that you listed out, but also the idea and knowing that they may be in a safer environment as they try to provide food, in this case, apples for us. So yes, Yes and yes. Right, especially when we're seeing people like Greg Abbott pass laws that are rolling back protections for construction workers in the state of Texas among a heat wave that you know protected their ability to take a break every four hours. I mean, which is already not enough. But I mean, how do we fight against that when you know the Republicans have captured these legislators? You fight against it with unions. And so it's a great point. That it's stronger protections, not just for the unionized workers, but for all the workers in those environments. And Mayor, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. A pleasure as always. And I want to thank everybody out there for watching today. We'll be back tomorrow with more on Boss, but you got to stick around because Watchlist is next. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.